Anno Amagium, Episode 19 Bait and Codes Eleanor Valmont, Mare Day 12th, 518 AM, 2344 AA, Arroyo Athenaeum, Girls Dorm, U. Carol made good on his promises to allow Lynn to train with other mentors that day, giving her a grand tour of sorcery with Elroy, Erudensis with Faulkner, and even allowed her to join a firearms lecture from Hemingway. In between the lessons, Lynn and Carol discussed the implications of terrorism more than the Sawin massacre in any specifics, which he seemed rather distant and distracted about. Lynn had discussed similar topics with her father and brother. It was usual dinner conversation with a head of state as a parent. When Lynn got back to the dorm, tired but exhilarated, she found Pensy waiting on her, biting her lower lip and fussing with her uniform nervously. As a rule, Lynn was bad with faces, but she had come to recognize that demeanor as Pensy's fresh gossip look, though instead of her usual kitten with a goldfish smugness, she seemed worried. Oh, no, Lynn said. What did you hear? Cyphera's mentor took her and Hayes into the fade at L.A. Live, and they barely made it back alive. Fitzgerald, their mentor, she has a broken arm. Cyphera can't do physical exercises for the next six weeks because she has two broken ribs. Holy shit, what happened? Lynn asked. I don't know. Cyphera said that she shouldn't have said anything and doesn't want to get their mentor in any more trouble. Apparently, she's being written up for it or something. No physical training for six weeks? That would drive me insane. Holy shit! No erodensis. No conditioning. No combined physical and magical exercises? She's going to fall way behind. Lynn was disappointed. Cyphera was an excellent point of reference for gauging her own prowess and progress. Is she okay? I mean, how's she taking it? Lynn asked. Pensy shrugged. She's kind of in a funny mood, but she's in the common area near the Sim Vision if you want to chat. Lynn emanated gratitude and found Cyphera in ratty asphalt's clothing. Her face was bandaged and she was propped up by several pillows. Heard you cracked a couple ribs, Lynn said. Guilty as charged, Cyphera said with a smirk. What happened? Covering for Matthews? She meant it as a joke. People liked jokes. Pensy told her jokes were usually a good way to get people to like you. Oh, shit. She also said that my sense of humor is kind of mean, and mean jokes can be risky. Lynn frowned internally. That one was kind of mean. No, he was actually the one trying to protect me. I fucked up. Lynn had not expected that. I guess the next time he should do a better job, she offered weakly still trying to make another joke of it despite the meanness. Though I'm not surprised to hear he tried. Think he has a thing for you. Right, Cyphera said with a snicker. Forgot you're still allergic to boy cooties. What's that supposed to mean? Lynn demanded, her eyes locking on to Cyphera's. Nicety died. Any attempts at concern, courtesy, or even civility will be hereby discontinued forthwith. It means it would be a lot easier to take you seriously if you stopped acting like such a prim little virgin, Cyphera said condescendingly. But I guess that's what sells papers. 
Can't have Daddy's darling soldier girl looking like a slut. Ah, so you have a thing for him, too. Lynn had no idea whether that deduction was even remotely accurate, but she said it with perfectly snide confidence. True or not, it's guaranteed to piss her off. Cyphera looked like she couldn't be bothered to laugh. Yeah, that's absolutely what I meant, Valmont. Clearly, we're destined to be together. Star-writ lovers. A couple of acrasiac sketches who will save two pure humans. All right, put your fucking hands up, Lynn demanded. She let her weird swell sharply and assumed a fighting stance. Penzi and the other first-year girls noticed the commotion, and the rest of the room started to get quiet. What? Cyphera asked, genuinely exasperated. I don't care if you call me a slut or a cunt or a whore, but I won't let you insult my intelligence and integrity. Your integrity? You do know what those dirty words mean, don't you, Allie? Lynn's eyes blazed. She hated being called Allie. She made sure to tell people to call her Lynn, but somehow people always found that infuriating little button in her brain, and after that, there was no stopping people from pressing it. God damn it! Who told her? She glanced at Penzi, who was frantically shaking her head and mouthing for her to stop. Instead, Lynn turned back to Cyphera. If nothing else, sluts have a good time. Cunts can be a force to be reckoned with. And whores are survivors. But a bigot who projects her self-loathing onto others? That's just pathetic. Cyphera looked Lynn up and down and laughed. I gotta hand it to you, Allie. We've certainly come a long way from quiet girl, haven't we? Put your hands up! Lynn snarled, reminded of how much she hated that first nickname. I have two broken ribs, princess, Cyphera snapped back. I can't even run today. Hell, it hurts if I breathe wrong. You want to wail on me? Go ahead. I literally cannot stop you. But there isn't a whole lot of integrity to be had in that, is there? Fuck. Lynn looked around the room. The second and third years looked on with amusement or mild annoyance, while most of the first-year girls looked horrified. A few excused themselves and jogged upstairs, possibly going to get a proctor. I'll take a rain check, Lynn said darkly. Penzi was now actively attempting to usher her back out of the common area. And I'll happily cash it, Cyphera waved dismissively. But for now, get the hell out of my face. 5.58 a.m. Arroyo Athenaeum. Athletic Track. Lynn and Penzi hit the track together and immediately fell into a shared pace. Lynn had steadily but subtly increased their lap speed over the past two months, since Penzi complained about her poor speed and stamina early on. I wonder if she even realizes that she's passed about 60% of the class. If we didn't talk while running, we'd probably be in the top 80%. But the talking was usually for Lynn's benefit, so she was happy to take it easy. Why did you let her bait you? Penzi asked, patient but concerned. I was trying to be nice. I went to go ask about her injury and let her know that I was worried. Did you say that? Of course not. You can't just go up to somebody you don't know that well and say, Are you okay? 
when they obviously aren't, it's insulting. And saying, I'm worried about you, is like, it sounds mentally stunted. What did you say, Lynn? Penzi asked. I just made fun of Matthews. He was there when it happened, and he got away without any injuries. I figured she or their mentor must have protected him or something. How did that get you two in a fight? Penzi asked, incredulous. I don't know. I think she likes him. Really? What did she say? Penzi's face seemed to blossom at the prospect of further gossip. Lynn looked at her with disgust. Ugh, she said that he actually tried to protect her. Penzi smirked and said, Let me guess. You said something like, I guess he sucks at protecting people, didn't you? Lynn opened and closed her mouth, then turned her attention back to the track, scowling. Penzi exhaled heavily. They ran in silence for a moment, and Lynn festered with guilt. She's trying so hard to help me, and I'm still a caustic bitch. Worse yet, we've grown so close I've started taking her patience for granted. Saint or not, she's still human. Come on, Lynn, get it together. What happened next? Penzi asked a moment later, huffing. She called me a slut, Lynn said. Wow, really? Penzi's eyes bugged. Not exactly. She said I was afraid of boy cooties, that I was afraid of looking like a slut. Penzi started to giggle, falling behind. What? Lynn demanded. Penzi broke down into full-on laughter and stopped running. She laughed until she used up what little extra breath she had left. Lynn led her off the track to a nearby drinking fountain so she wouldn't impede the rest of their cohort. First of all, cooties, Penzi said, wiping away tears. Just a funny word, she giggled again. But secondly, those are two very different things, like nearly complete opposites, but somehow you're offended both ways. They're both rude. It's like she was saying, I'm too scared to be a slut, which is honestly worse. Oh my God, Lynn, Penzi said burying her face in her hands and groaning. Look, she's clearly sensitive about what happened. And if Hayes tried to help her, like, put yourself in that situation. I'd be in his debt. Oh. Penzi nodded at Lynn's repulsed expression and said, See, that's where she's coming from. And if she does like him, it's like a thousand times worse. What? How is that worse? The guy she likes is willing to put himself into harm's way for her? Isn't that supposed to be romantic? Would you want to be rescued? Oh, Lynn said, humbled and hollowed. Penzi went to get a drink from the fountain, and then Lynn did the same. I would be happy, Penzi admitted, but I personally like the idea of having a knight in shining armor. Cyphera definitely doesn't, and I don't think you do either. The bell rang, calling the end of cardio and the beginning of joint exercises. Lynn urged Penzi to hurry, and they jogged over to the proctor. But Penzi's comment weighed heavily on her, recalling a particularly sharp criticism from her mother. You are so intent on playing the hero, but honestly, Lynn, men don't want to be rescued. Would it kill you to let a boy take the lead for once? Lynn had proudly declared that it would. 
I'm willing to be rescued if I need it, but I'll die before I act like a damsel. 3.15 p.m. Arroyo Athenaeum. Rune Lab, 1A. I hope you've paid close attention to Master Bronte's lessons, because they will serve you well here, Master Steinbeck said, impossibly nasal voice affecting a permanent verbal sneer. Runic code and binding magic share a common structure, loops. Both forms of magic require a complete circuit of energy to produce their effects. Mr. Carlyle, am I boring you? You're certainly boring me, Lynn thought, but knew better than to speak up. Why do teachers with poor senses of humor lend themselves to mockery so readily? Lynn reviewed the core runes that they would be using in her textbook. The runic coding facilities were the newest addition to Arroyo's Athenaeum, and they were state-of-the-art. Rune Lab 1A was the largest non-lecture hall classroom on campus, and every seat was outfitted with a powerful encanter with various coding software. Who can tell me the most common function of runic code? Lynn raised her hand, but did not look up until several seconds had passed. Steinbeck seemed to be searching the room for an alternative. Finally, he sighed and nodded at Lynn. Tell them, Valmont. Spell housings. Indeed. In both digitized code and physical inscriptions, the leximancer or artificer will most often be creating frameworks or housings in an object's inheritance that will receive and prolong the effects of contract magic. And the most commonly housed enchantments are sympathetic in nature, connecting two distinct objects. Sympathetic housings are the linchpin of modern enchantment techniques, used in everything from magic license attunement to standard sympathetic door locks. Lynn glanced to her left at Penzi, who seemed to be falling asleep. Vita, who sat on the other side of Pensy, caught Lynn's glance and gestured, Kill me now. Lynn snickered and gestured back, Same. Tell me, what are some ways you can boost sympathetic efficiency? Symbolically defining and emphasizing commonalities, Lynn droned, then winced. Five demerits, Miss Valmont. I understand this must be tedious for a prodigy such as yourself, but kindly wait until I call on you before blurting out the answer. Lynn gestured apologies and emanated respect at Steinbeck. Her weird was faint enough to seem borderline sarcastic, but he simply shook his head and hopelessly complicated Lynn's clearer, more succinct answer. She noticed that Cyphera was seated by herself today. Her normal spot to Matthew's right was occupied by Kimis Knight instead. Come on, Kimis, have some taste. Cyphera was instead seated in a row to herself in the back, already fiddling with the reagent kit they had been handed at the beginning of the lecture. Miss Quinn, please wait until I explain what to do with that. We only have so many spares. While Steinbeck was lecturing her, Cyphera was etching a rune into a wire and clay loop. She looked up when she finished. Miss Quinn, are you listening? Cyphera pointed a finger gun at the wire loop and fired a sharp pulse from her weird. 
Steinbeck looked down, then staggered back in horror. My God! Really? Lynn snickered. You utter child? The runic circuit had no outlet for the energy Cyphera put into it. Worse yet, the rune she inscribed appeared to be an extremely efficient weave. The pulse of energy traveled increasingly quickly through the wires in the clay. The clay steadily baked around the accelerating current, the runes eventually growing brittle. Finally, the whole device exploded in a shower of sparks and tiny clay fragments. The popping noise jolted Penzi awake with a yelp, and she jerked upright on her stool. The sudden gesture made her tip over, and, with a second yelp, she fell into Vitha. They both would have toppled to the floor if Lynn had not supported her with sorcery. The whole class howled with laughter, save for Lynn's bench and Steinbeck, who was frothing at the mouth. Cythera Quinn, twenty demerits! I explicitly warned you not to experiment with— I'm sorry, Master Steinbeck, Cythera interrupted, voice golemic. You're right. I clearly didn't know what I was doing. She spoke in blunt, words unaccompanied by gesture or emanation. It was about as crass as a person could be. Steinbeck's weird blossomed with hatred. He flung his pages of talking points into the air like a damn lunatic. I know Penzi said he has a short fuse, but my God, I assumed she was exaggerating. Detention! He bellowed. Detention for the rest of the term! Do you hear me? Lynn shook her head in disgust. Cyphera briefly looked beyond Steinbeck and winked. Steinbeck didn't seem to notice, but Lynn traced the glance back to Matthews, who was howling with laughter and gesturing enthusiastic approval. They really should save two other people. 9.08 p.m. Arroyo Athenaeum. Girls' Dorm. You. You have to admit, it was a little bit funny, Penzi said as they were laying down to bed. The story of Cyphera's circlet of destruction was racing across campus, much to Lynn's exasperation. You almost fell out of your chair and cracked your head, Lynn scolded. You nearly took Vitha with you, too. And even she thinks it's funny, Penzi argued. Is he always like that? Steinbeck, I mean. Man went berserk. I usually don't try to deliberately piss him off, so no, Penzi giggled. But he's always a jerk. Then I guess it's kind of funny, Lynn conceded at last. Penzi cheered and Lynn laughed. There was a brief pause as they both laid down. They would wait five minutes before speaking, and if one of them fell asleep in that time, they would both endeavor to sleep. Otherwise, they would chat. Lynn had devised the rule as a last-ditch defense against Penzi keeping her up until midnight every night. But tonight, she was the first to break the moratorium's silence. You were wrong about something earlier, Lynn said. Penn sat up on her elbow. Oh, what's that? I do want a knight in shining armor. Penzi's eyes glowed, her mouth hung open. Lynn gestured for calm and continued. Not because I want to be rescued, but who doesn't want a partner who will fight for them? Somebody I can trust, who will trust me in turn. Somebody like... Penzi wheedled. Don't get excited, Lynn said, glaring. I... I know I like... like guys, but honestly... I've only figured it out since I've come here. 
When I was eight, I started wondering if I was gay. Because, like, my mom has been trying to set me up with suitors since I was literally three years old. Some of them were handsome, and many of them were nice, but I didn't feel anything. So I figured I must like women, even though I didn't feel attracted to girls either. That's really messed up of your mom, Pensy said. Lynn nodded and shrugged. After a moment, Pensy asked, How did you figure it out? Lynn flushed. I figured it out when I started thinking about naked guys during my morning shower. Jesus, Pen, what do you want me to say? Penzi looked down and chuckled before continuing. I'm glad, though. I had to admit, I was curious and a little nervous. Why nervous? Lynn asked. Well, I've always liked boys, like always, always. So I was afraid you maybe liked me. Lynn smiled. That's actually part of it. If I was going to fall in love with a woman, I'm pretty sure it would have happened already. Penzi swooned. Lynn chucked her pillow across the room and hit Penzi in the face with it. Penzi laughed, and Lynn continued. I mean, I do love you. You are the first real friend I've ever had. And until your Prince Charming arrives, I will gladly play knight in shining armor as needed. But you don't want to sleep with me, Penzi clarified. No! I mean, I don't want to sleep with anyone yet, Lynn corrected. What if you had to? Penzi asked, eyes sparkling with mischief. Did you literally not hear a thing I just said? I want love on my own terms, Lynn insisted. You can choose one guy. Everybody else is dead. Up to you two to repopulate the world. Lynn extended her arm toward Penzi's bed and retrieved her pillow with sorcery. Good night, Pen, she said, laying down. Penzi booed and complained. You suck. Mm-hmm, Lynn replied serenely. But Penzi's question wormed its way through her head. Truth be told, their cohort had been graced with a lot of good-looking guys. She thought Matthews was attractive when she first saw him and he was a skilled fighter and caster, which were undeniable pluses. Too bad I have yet to discover a greater turnoff than his shit personality. There's Asmir Stillman, I suppose. He had a sort of haunting, tormented, artistic quality about him. And Theron Klein was smart and funny, though he also struck her as a touch fragile. But at the end of the day, if I had to pick... Drav... Lynn said quietly, but loud enough for Pensy to hear. She regretted it immediately. Dravnik Sokolov? Pensy exclaimed far too loud. She was practically squealing. Lynn shushed her irate. Pensy was glowing, though. The room seemed to light up with the joy in her weird. No, we are having this conversation, Pensy insisted. Not tonight, Lynn grunted. Right fucking now! I will choke you. Jove Day, Scorpio 13th, 556 AM, Arroyo Athenaeum, Girl's Dorm, U. Mostly to dissuade Penzi from prying about her imaginary sex life with Drav, Lynn asked how she could go about apologizing to Cyphera. They spent about an hour talking through potential scenarios, with Pen playing the part of Cyphera, and Lynn navigating the hypothetical conversation like a maze. 
occasionally asking for hints. Lynn lay awake long after Pensy drifted off to sleep, running through other eventualities. She woke later than usual next morning, showered, and changed into her aspirant robes. Lynn was already second-guessing her plan to apologize, but when she saw Pensy hanging around Cyphera as they had planned last night, she knew the key had already been turned. She approached at a break in the conversation. Hey, Allie, you here to knock my block off for disrupting class yesterday? Or are you still salty about yesterday morning? Penzi warned her that Cyphera usually greeted people sarcastically, and Lynn was confident that was what was happening. She chuckled politely. Steinbeck's an ass. He snapped at me just before he went off on you, Lynn said. And about yesterday morning, I misread things, and I spoke out of turn. I know it doesn't seem like it, but I was trying to... Cyphera snickered, put on a tired smile, and said, Hey... I feel better if you feel better, Valmont. Lynn nodded and smiled, relieved. But she noticed that Pensy's hackles had raised. I missed something again, didn't I? Was she being mean? Sarcastic? She's trying, Pensy said seriously. Cyphera flicked her gaze to Pensy and snickered. Yeah, I can see that. And you're trying to help her. But that doesn't entitle her to forgiveness. Cyphera looked back at Lynn. You can't go lurching around like a mad dog or acting like a frosty bitch and expect everyone to forgive you once you come to your senses. Lynn simply bowed her head. Penzi's weird seemed to shudder, sparkling with quick little pops of anger. She always went off like a tiny firework display when something pissed her off. Her cheeks also puffed up, which was adorable, but it really didn't help people take her seriously. Before Pensy could tell Cyphera off, Lynn grabbed her hand and gestured for peace. She's right. We'll leave you alone, Cyphera. See? Cyphera asked with a smile. She emanated sincere relief and gestured gratitude. We're already making wonderful progress. Lynn gave her a faint, contrite smile. Bitch. 6.02 a.m. Arroyo Athenaeum Athletic track. You didn't do anything wrong, Lynn, Pensy said, still fuming. God, she tried to bait you with every word she said. I get why you wanted to slap her around yesterday. Lynn shrugged, and Pensy continued. I just figured she'd be above that, you know? She was actually surprised how calm she was, despite Cyphera's provocations. Yesterday, she had walked away feeling cheap and petty. Today, Cyphera seemed like the petty one, which was closure enough for Lynn. I tried to be nice and end up pissing you off. Shame on me. I try twice and piss you off? Then you can piss off. Or something. Lynn chuckled and said, I'd forgotten something you told me the night we became friends. Penzi emanated rapt curiosity, eyes arched like question marks. We don't need to be friends with everybody. Lynn said. I have you and Vitha, the twins. I'm not alone anymore. So fuck her. Penzi nodded and emanated approval. A second later, she laughed wickedly and added, Now we just need to work on Drav. I will choke you. Anno Amagium 
Written by Hank Whitson. Narrated by Dan Lawson.